Milwaukee Bucks wrap up a 6-0 homestand and uh, get a small measure of revenge against the Orlando Magic. And Giannis erupts for 37 points, though we saw three straight games of under 50% shooting. But still, Bucks just a half game out of first in the Eastern Conference. We'll dive into what we saw tonight and uh, some trends maybe that we're starting to see. I'll run those past Frank as we recap uh, win number six on the homestand on today's Locked on Bucks. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network. He's Frank Madden, the founder of Brew Hoop, longtime host of the podcast. We thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and viewable as well on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Locked On Bucks brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Frank, the Bucs uh, beat the Magic. It uh, wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing game that we've seen from the Bucs, but a perfect 6-0 homestand. And uh, Adrian Griffin pointed out after the game that we're finding different ways to win, which this was kind of a throwback to some of those games they were winning earlier in the season. But there is some measure of importance to that, that this team isn't just blowing teams out with their offense. Yeah, I mean, uh, so uh, shout out to Locked On listener uh, Brennan. Uh, Brennan was sitting right behind me tonight when I went to the game, went to go to the game with my daughter and um, my wife, and uh, he kind of leaned over. I think it was maybe after the first quarter, Brennan kind of leaned over and was like, are you Frank Madden? I was like, <laughs> I am. Um, and longtime listener, and we were chatting a bit. Um, I think I agreed with most of stuff Brennan was saying as we were talking a little bit about kind of big picture bucks and everything. and. Um, you know, I think one of the kind of takeaways is it, it, it does feel like this team, and I think some of Giannis's comments after the game echo this, is that it still feels like a team that is, you know, offensively kind of getting by on talent to a large extent. Um, you know, we, we did see some more Giannis staying pick and roll late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Giannis sh- should have had a monster dunk off one of those and uh, uncharacteristically biffed us a, a multiple dunks in this game so yeah. something may have been might have been that foot that's been bugging him a little bit or something but um you know 37 points later i just can't complain too, too much about Giannis's performance um but yeah it, it it is a kind of just still there you know i feel like this homestand i mean six and oh was the goal right like in the in the macro sense like you really wanted to rack up all these wins with a road trip coming up couple games in New York against the Knicks, a team that's obviously a pretty good team that you've beaten a couple times and then some road games after that. So again, you know, if you're going to be figuring stuff out and, you know, like I said, especially defensively, I think this team is just sort of like fundamentally sort of less than the sum of its parts right now. Not that they are a team that, you know, should be the number one defense in the league or something like that. Um, But, you know, this, we, we saw this magic team tonight, right? I mean, this Magic team has been one of the best defensive teams in the league this year. And, um, you know, again, 
I'd say they have some better perimeter defenders for sure that they can throw out there. Um, but it, it also just feels like, again, the kind of point of attack defense, especially in the first half, um, you know, magic kind of got wherever they wanted in the pick and roll. Um, and it seemed like every shot, I mean, unless, unless Brooke Lopez or Giannis blocked it at the rim, it was going to be a layup. Um, and the Wagner brothers were particularly problematic in that first half. So, um, you know, the magic are, they've been a very good team this year. They've had some losses of late, um, but super talented. And we saw them obviously beat the bucks once before that was granted without Dame. So yeah, it's just kind of a weird, you know, weird game. It, it felt like they really locked in a bit in the third quarter. I thought the magic going to Paolo over Franz actually really played into the bucks hands to a large extent. And that's really when the bucks kind of built their lead. And, um, you know, again, you'd love it if they just sort of mashed the turbo button and kind of won by 20 points or something like that. And true to first half of the season bucks form, they made it more difficult on themselves probably than it needed to be. But I don't know. There was also just kind of the typical steadiness and they made the plays they needed to, including some plays defensively um, in order to win the game. So yeah, glass half full. It's kind of my, my refrain of late is like, you know, if you can kind of continue to just grind out wins, especially against, you know, a pretty good team like this, like this yeah. win, the Houston game. I mean, Houston's another team kind of similar young team, very good defensively. Um, again, not works of art. You're not going to say like we proved the bucks proved that they're, you know, ready to win a championship or something like that. But um, you know, at this stage of the season, a third of the way through, there are definitely worse places to be than 21 and seven and, you know, whatever they are, like a game behind, Boston half for the, game, yeah. the best record. Yeah. Half game behind Boston yeah. for the best record in the East. I mean, if you're going to be a work in progress and not, you know, really playing up to your potential, there are worse places to be. So, um, yeah, how you see that glass, um, <laughs> you know, your mileage may vary, but, um, it's, it's, it's almost Christmas, Justin. So I'm, I'm trying to be more <laughs> of an optimist. Well, and this one felt differently too, because you mentioned the, the throwback to the first handful of games this season, what, the first 15 or so games where the Bucks routinely made things more difficult than it should be. Um, this one never really felt like it was going to slip out of reach. It, it felt like despite some of the issues, they were pretty well in control unless the Bucks just totally squandered this game. Now, granted, a big part of that is the struggles the Magic have offensively and the fact that they are not a good three-point shooting team. And even the first half, if two of those three-pointers fall, it's a much different story. So they're bailed out by that. But that, in that sense, it did feel much differently that uh, in, in comparison to some of the other games that we've seen this team grind out, as, as Griff has pointed to, there wasn't, or just, at least for me, there didn't seem to be the same level of anxiety. Yeah, I mean, the two, there are a couple of plays that, you know, I, I kind of wonder in the third quarter, um, Bucks get a fast break. I think they were up 82-67, and Marjan throws the lob to Giannis. And I, I saw one replay in arena. I don't know if you got a better look at it, Justin. I don't. I didn't really. Giannis didn't was see complaining anything. about a foul. I didn't yeah, really see I much didn't of see anything. anything. Um, so I don't know what. I mean, Giannis kind of you know blows the dunk. That I, I think that would have put them up 17. Mm -hmm. Instead, uh, the Magic turn it around and hit a three pretty much immediately, going back the other way to make it 82-70 and you know, from there on out, like the lead sort of slowly shrunk a little by little. 
um, to the point where I believe it was what a two point lead, I think um, mid, maybe midway or yeah. early ish stages of the fourth quarter. And I think Franz Wagner had a three look to take the lead at one point yeah. and missed it because that's what the magic did tonight. They missed a crap ton of three pointers. Um, what, what were they? Six of 28 or something horrendous. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, fortunately we've, we've seen, right. The bucks, have have some luck. I mean, the overall, their their three point luck has been pretty much average. They've they haven't been like a lucky team in yeah. that regard. Magic actually, especially early in the season, they had a lot of three point luck that was buoying their their defensive numbers. But um, but yeah, I mean, the Magic aren't a good three point shooting team. And you know, the irony, Paolo has been a lot better offensively than Franz so far this year. Franz, I think, came into the game at twenty nine percent from three. But Franz was the guy that it felt like kind of could get anywhere he wanted and especially in that first half, um, you know, Chris was guarding him and then the, we'd see switches and, you know, bottom line, like just seemed like small dudes were guarding Franz Wagner a lot. And he pretty much ate all those small defenders up. He just, the way he covers grounds and covers ground and kind of his angles and shot making and craft in the paint, I thought was really impressive. And it just felt like anytime the Bucks got put into a pick and roll, a defender would be on Franz Wagner's backside and, you know, just could not do anything. Um, and it would just be a two on one. And, you know, felt like Brooke Lopez's uh, rim, per- rim protection stats got, uh, got banged up a bit t- tonight with a lot of finishes around him. But, um, but yeah, you know, again, the, the, the three, three point defense, quote unquote, three point defense, um, they didn't go in. So uh, yay for that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Again, still, I'd say, I'd say they're not where they need to be, and and that was pretty much Giannis's. I think the primary, you know, takeaway from his comments after the game, I was just reading Gabe Stoltz from from Brew Hoop. Shout out to Gabe. Um, posted kind of a long quote from from Giannis to that effect, and you know, it was basically like saying, like, I don't really care about our record. You know, twenty one seven is that's good, but that's not what we're trying to be, right? We're not trying to have the best regular season record. And he was kind of saying like, sometimes we got it, sometimes we don't. Um, but it's, it's still going to take a while is what kind of, I think Giannis's main takeaway was. And, um, I thought we saw it, right. The, the pick and rolls late, a couple of them, it seemed like Giannis kind of caught it in the middle and just kind of like froze and like, didn't really know how to attack. And then the one where, you know, it was a little bit more coming from the side and was almost ended up being like an empty side pick and roll where he yeah. should have just, you know, hammered it for a, a huge dunk and just somehow rimmed out the dunk. Um, just, I hate to say that's, it was that kind of night. Cause he had 37, 37 points, but, um, third straight game though, where he shot 150%. less than 50%. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, there was like one catch and shoot three, but a couple others, like there was that yeah. one with like three or four minutes left where he just, you know, dribbled up and had a, you know, where Orlando had, had sliced the lead to, I think, like seven or six at yeah. that point, where it was still very tenuous of uh, you, you, you got to value these possessions here. Yeah. And I don't know, my, I guess my, in a weird way, like maybe if he keeps missing these, you know, late threes, maybe this will just continue to tell him not to shoot threes because he, he has limited his three point attempts yeah. this year, relatively speaking. But, um, but yeah, I mean, again, like I'm not going to go too hard in on Giannis on a night when, Obviously, he put up just a massive stat line and had a really fast start, which was encouraging. I was I was very nervous leading up to the to this afternoon because I was like, man, I'm, this is my only chance to see the Bucks 
over over the holidays and he was questionable yesterday with this foot mm-hmm. sprain and then this morning he was listed at probable and i was like okay i think it's safe to get tickets but until he was you know ruled available i was like a little bit like okay am i going to take you know my daughter to her only bucks game of the year and Giannis is going to be in street clothes but um she told me she was like she seemed to be happy just to see Giannis. so if he had been just on the sidelines i think she would have been relatively okay with that but um you know she was definitely happier she was wearing her uh Giannis shoes had her Giannis uh purple jersey so she was ready to go and um you know it was uh it ended up being a, a very a good happy uh result for her at least she's she's not as worried about you know the dame Giannis pick and roll chemistry at the age of five as as the rest of us are or or the uh the defensive scheme so um, you know, bucks win, bucks win. That was her, uh, her main takeaway. And she, she slept on the car ride back. So, you know, she, she, she's, she's sleeping well tonight. Um, the rest of us, again, we can, uh, kind of pick, pick and, you know, pick at some of the things maybe we didn't love about this game and some of the things that we've been seeing for the first couple months of the season, but 21, seven, I think that I believe I, I was checking kind of the previous year records through the first third of the season. Cause now we're just past the third mark, right? Yeah. 27 games, basically a third of a season. And I believe they were 20 and seven last year as well. And then the only other year where they had a better record under bud um, was 1920, which I was, was gonna, just, yeah. you know, the incredible year they were 24 and three, you know, they were 52 and eight at one point, right? That was just an insane year um, in terms of just dominating the regular season. So um, so yeah, record wise, Hey, they're on pace for, you know, basically 60 wins right now. And I think where they actually end up is going to be a, a, a good little test of, you know, the, uh, the, the, the idea of, you know, Pythagorean wins and, uh, point differential and a lot of the things that would say that they've, they've been lucky. So we'll see, especially with the, uh, the, the, the less home favorable schedule, some more difficult games coming up. Yeah. Again, hopefully uh, they can kind of rise to the challenge, and hopefully some of this is them kind of playing down to their competition because I I believe they're now ten and four against teams above five hundred, which is you know basically there are only three teams in the league that have been that good against five hundred yeah. and above teams, and it's Boston, Minnesota, and the Bucks. So um, that's maybe another another glass half full thing. Uh, Justin is the fact that they've been they've actually had a really good record against good teams. So um, another notch in the belt tonight against uh, an up and coming Magic squad. And they'll get two more cracks at that uh, in their next two games, yeah. too, with the uh, 16 and 11 Knicks. And uh, maybe I know the Pistons have two games with the Nets, so probably a game with the Pistons, who are an above 500 team uh, as well. So I, I do have some defensive things and defensive metrics to uh, throw past you and get your thought on. I talked about it a little bit on the post game, and it's interesting when. You examine the defense as a whole. It doesn't look great. We look at the numbers since November 3rd. It looks better, um, but there's some other things that stand out as well. So I want to throw that past Frank when we come back. This episode of Lockdown Bucks is brought to you by BetterHelp. It is a stressful time of year for a lot of us out there with the holidays. Literally just around the corner, Christmas just a couple of days away, the stress behind finding the perfect gift what to get somebody, or anything that goes into the holiday season, traveling and figuring that out, family members coming to stay with you, and the stress that can be added there. It, it can be a very trying time for us all, and BetterHelp is here to, uh, to help you through any of that or any other stressors that uh, you have in your life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, 
Give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible. It's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In a season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, Frank, we've talked a lot about defensive metrics for this team, and I think there's the easy narrative and, and to be clear, I'm not trying to say that this team, hey, they're a great defensive team and they have the makings of a top 10. But there's the easy narrative. It's the 86 Bears the- is what you're saying, Justin Garcia. Just <laughs> put the quote up. The, the Bucks are the 86 Bears. <laughs> they're well, yeah, close, close to it. Um, maybe they're the 2000, 2001 Baltimore Ravens is, is more like it. Uh, but there's the easy view to say, hey, they're, they're the 20th rated defense. Like this team's got some problems. If we keep going back to that November 3rd, date and like at this point i don't think that's cherry picking because it's yeah, 24 out of 28 games that it's it's taken into account it's all been in succession there's one big impetus for that change that you can point to to say well it's not just schedule they did some things differently and uh, in those games after tonight i think they're 14th or 13th in those games played but the way we've seen teams grouped in there and i think the other tough part for for people is we're accustomed to a certain number for defense, and you have to adjust that to, to say, well, those those numbers aren't going to be the same anymore. It's not like 100 is what you're shooting for, just over 100. The Bucks, there's not a whole lot of separation between where the Bucks are since November 3rd and even the 10th rated defense. So they still have a, a ways of work to go there. But, I mean, you're talking about maybe two games you piece together here where – hey, this defense has figured things out. And before you know it, they're knocking on the door of a top 10 defensive rating. I still think there's a lot of work to be done. I think you feel the same way as well. Anybody that's watched this team all season long is going to have that opinion. Uh, But they've been much more consistent. And Adrian Griffin keeps talking about the fourth quarter being critical and the final five minutes have to be uh, your best. It's not a massive jump. But the Bucks' defensive metrics have gotten better in the second half of games as well, where they're closer to the top 10 there. So it's these little steps forward that they are taking, but it's going to be imperative to, to turn those little steps into larger steps and much more consistent steps in the second half, especially when the schedule gets much more difficult. Yeah, and I mean, I think like there's different ways to obviously, like I, I think we've all, you know, you and I and Camille and certainly everybody that, you know, follows the team close, like we've all sort of tried to look at the numbers and figure out like where, like what's symptomatic of like the underlying issues, like what are they doing better or worse, et cetera. You know, their shot charts or like where opponent shots are coming is quite good. Right. I mean, like they're the rim percentage numbers at this point are pretty much the same as last year, maybe like ever so slightly up, but still really good in terms of not allowing a lot of shots at the rim their three point percent, the percentage of shots at, from three have has gone up a, a bit, um, but it was it was actually very good last year. I mean, yeah. kudos to Bud. Like the helping less paid off a lot. They had a pretty pristine shot chart in terms of just 
you know, they squeezed a bunch of shots from three point range um, into the mid range last year. And a lot of that has, has stayed. I mean, you compare like their shot chart this year versus like two years ago during the butt era. Um, it's better now than it was. So I think the problem is not like the distribution of shots so much. I think the, the, the kind of other things that they're doing is they're basically kind of losing on the margins, right? The transition defense in the aggregate has been much worse. Now the, you know, it was a freaking car crash in the first, you know, couple weeks of the season, yeah. like historically like horrendous. Um, and now it's gotten to just like kind of mediocre bad. Um, and like tonight they did overall the, you know, the number that kind of thing we always look at this cleaning the glass thing basically says like how many points were added through transition over a hundred possessions. Right. Cause you can look obviously at just sort of pure fast break points, but that doesn't always kind of tell the story. Um, but I think tonight it was, it might've even been negative. Like basically the magic did not add anything basically through transition versus their, their half court offense. And so, um, so I think like, you know, honestly, like for me, a lot of this, like, there's kind of like two things, right. For me, it's like, you know, Zach Lowe always talks about the low hanging fruit and how Mike Budenholzer, his strength was basically just like taking that low hanging fruit, which again may seem like kind of an insult, but I know Zach always prefaces it by saying it's not an insult. Um, there's a lot of value in the low hanging fruit. Mike Budenholzer is two time coach of the year and won a championship, right? Um, so like the defensive rebounding, right? I think tonight it wasn't bad at all. I don't recall. No. I think the numbers are pretty good tonight, but obviously there have been a lot of games where the defensive rebounding has been a problem. And it has not been at the kind of elite level um, all season that kind of we've gotten used to over the past few years. And and that's an area where, you know, look, I don't think Drew Holiday is the reason why they were an elite defensive rebounding team. They were an elite defensive rebounding team with Eric Bledsoe, too. You know, a lot of that, I think, is mindset and what you prioritize. So I think defensive rebounding, if they can get back to a better place there, just be disciplined in transition, right? Like, to me, this is where, like, coaching and mindset and, like, Honestly, some of it's like tactics, but some of it's also just like getting dudes to buy in and just like freaking get back, right? Like sprint back on defense, even after a make, like wake up, you know, like just think every team is the Pacers in that regard right? <laughs> and just clean that up. Um, so I think just some of that stuff, if they do that, you know, rebounding and, and transition points, like you can be, they can be an average defense just by doing that. At, at the, at a higher level. Right. Um, you know, their free throw rate hasn't been bad this year as much as, you know, I thought we, we all thought like, Oh, maybe with Griff wanting to be more aggressive, they're going to foul a ton and give up a lot of free throws. It really hasn't happened. So that's a good thing. Um, problem is the turnovers, right? Like the whole point of a lot of the, the scheme was, you know, Griffin wanted to force turnovers, create easy baskets and transition the other way. Hey, good news is they haven't even needed easy baskets. They've been a bad transition team and it hasn't even mattered. Like Giannis's transition stats are way down and he's still yeah. scoring 31 points a game um, efficiently because he's been so good in the half court. But, um, but I, so I think like there, there's some stuff where it's just like, Hey, just like do basic, you know, basic stuff. Um, and then I think the other piece is just, you know, it's like, I, I just like, you can't, and I don't, and again, I hate to pick on Malik Beasley because he's been a really good value signing and he's done everything that you would expect of Malik Beasley. Um, but, and this is, I think, why so many of us have been latching on to Andre Jackson, previously Marjan Bochamp, you know, Pat Connaughton we saw is the fifth guy in crunch time for a while tonight. Pat, despite missing some early threes, ended up, I think, contributing yeah. pretty well tonight, eight points, eight rebounds. Um, 
but it's just like there's got to be like you got to give me something that passes the eye test defensively to close games and it's not dame malik beasley and chris middleton being your one through three guys defensively right um like i i just i just i just don't think that's <laughs> that's your solution and you know look the trade deadline is still whatever it is seven weeks off i guess it's getting closer um yeah. but that's that's kind of the part that i'm i'm still sort of wrestling with as well i think if they were you know winning these games late and andre jackson or marjon or pat Connaughton was out there like looking like a more competent defender um then you know i would feel a little bit better like okay like there's something more like sustainable repeatable like this makes sense to me um but it is a weird situation because the starting five with malik beasley has put up awesome numbers and they haven't even been bad defensively like they've actually have like pretty good defensive numbers too um and it's really when you get into the bench units that a lot of the defensive numbers kind of the wheels come off and you know i thought bobby had a pretty struggle-rific game is that a, that's not a word that anybody's ever used before but um bobby you know i think was like a minus 18 tonight and it felt like a lot of the just meat grinder pick and roll stuff was targeting him and mm-hmm. so yeah you know, again like what you do about that i mean sometimes obviously i think I, I think you know griff the way he's used bobby like a lot of times been more aggressive i'm fine with that to be honest but at some point like bobby just has to hold up <laughs> be able to play defense and again i think this team just really struggles with just keeping the dude and keeping guys in front of them and that's you know not just a body problem that's a guard problem too in particular so um so yeah i think long story short like hey i, I hope the defensive numbers continue to trend in the right direction um but again like there's a there's going to be a cap on how good they can be if they again just sort of leave some of this easy stuff out there and and don't take advantage of some of the things that we know they can do well because this group was good at it under bud and i don't think again there's any reason why they can't be good at defensive rebounding or just getting back on defense yeah a couple of things that that you uh, brought up there i do want to uh, touch on a little bit more the uh, the transition and and the bench play tonight uh, especially were a couple of things that uh, stood out we'll get into that after the break And uh, today's episode is uh, thanks to our partners, I should say, at Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and uh, watch the winnings roll in if you want to play alongside some of prize picks favorite players like rapper meek mill and comedian andrew schultz you can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week they even offer a reboot policy so your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half that player is rebooted Prize Picks, the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Uh, it's easy to play. All you have to do is go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use that code locked on NBA and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. 
the uh the bench play frank you mentioned it, it certainly matched the eye test when you saw some of the plus minus numbers that were coming out it, it's not the be all end all and it's not the measuring stick for how good it doesn't tell the whole story i suppose but it, it matched everything tonight where bobby portis had been so good for this team during the homestand wasn't the case tonight for some of those issues that you pointed to he was effective on the glass and had a few of those moments. I think he had five offensive rebounds in this game. But that's when the magic really started to make that charge was Cole Anthony and Mo Wagner were huge for Orlando. Jonathan Isaac doing something I don't think we'll ever see happen again of one player blocking Giannis three times in a game. Their bench took over and, and brought them back in the game. And that's kind of been a season-long thing for the Bucs is they're still trying to find that footing for the second unit, which again, not to pick on Malik Beasley, but I think that's another reason why you've heard more chatter from people of would it make more sense for him to be on the bench to have that scoring boost coming from that second unit. You'd gotten it from Bobby Portis of late. It didn't come tonight. And I think the other thing that stood out too is that we only saw Andre Jackson Jr. for seven minutes, and I don't think any of those came in the second half. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately – minus eight and seven minutes. Um, I pointed this out on Twitter the other day in the context of I want Andre Jackson playing more minutes. So to be clear, I want Andre Jackson to continue to get minutes, continue uh -oh. to get burned. But even just pointing out that like his on-off numbers suck. And yeah. even when you look at his numbers with Damon Giannis, like there's some of it's because he's played, you know, with some bad bench units. But like, I mean, he was like barely break even with Giannis and Dame and like good players too, which again, I think for Andre... He's really a guy that needs to play with those star players because, again, he's not trying to shoot or do anything offensively beyond just kind of pass and be a connector and then work hard defensively. So, um, so yeah, it, it was interesting to see him, you know, not get a whole lot of run. But, I mean, credit to Marjan, too. I mean, they were really struggling in the second quarter offensively and things that kind of really, like, felt like they were in the mud in that regard, the magic went to a zone. It was, it was like the bucks were struggling offensively. And then the magic went into a zone. It was like, come on, man. Like, did you just like, let us try to figure this out against your man to man defense. And then they went into a zone and it felt like the bucks kind of got thrown for a little even, bit, even more of a loop. Um, and, but credit to Marjan, he hit a three pretty quickly after he came into the game. And then he had a huge dunk on Jonathan Isaac, who yeah. we know is obviously a great shot blocker, given what he did against Giannis um, and Marjan even tweeted after the game, like uh, that some people were saying he, he can't jump off one foot. <laughs> this guy, I don't, I feel like I'm the ringleader of, of pointing out when, when Marjan like slows down to jump off two feet. So um, I don't, I don't know if my message got through to Marjan, but the interesting thing was he went off his right foot too, right? You know, normally obviously a right-handed player, you know, your left foot is your yeah. dominant leaping foot. And he actually jumped off his right foot to uh to dunk on jonathan isaac so that was great to see um you know there were a couple other plays where and marjan i can you can we get him like those little hand like those little wrist strengthening things you like squeeze people on youtube can see me awkwardly doing squeezing motions but man anytime the ball's in his hands i just expect him to get stripped like i don't know it's just his he, he just does not have strong hands i'm not gonna say he's at you know thon maker baby hands levels or something like that. Um, I'm not going to go that far, but it just seems like he struggles so much. Like normally it's when he's driving to the basket, he gets stripped a lot. 
Um, and tonight it was, you know, there were a couple, I think, occasions where he kind of tried to recover loose balls and just couldn't quite do it. But, um, but still, he, I mean, he was a minus for the game, but I thought he actually gave them a little bit of a boost in that second quarter. And it's interesting. I mean, I thought the other night when we saw Andre, I thought, oh, it looks like Andre is taking uh, yeah. Marjan's minutes. And so I thought it was a bit interesting that tonight Marjan got in first. And uh, I believe he got in first. And mm-hmm. I mean, again, he played 11 minutes. Andre played seven. So not not a huge difference. Um, but, uh, you know, Pat got 21 minutes. And I think Pat's probably now like got a bit of a target on his back from Buck's Twitter because now he's kind of taking some of those Andre minutes. Um, so and I get it. Right. Pat's obviously not had, you know, a great year last year, obviously really struggled to kind of get on track with his shooting after the, the injury to start the year. Had a great series against the Heat, but you know whatever. Nobody cares too much about that given the result. Um, so I don't know. It, it. I hope Pat starts to hit those corner threes again tonight. He missed all three, but he hit three other shots. Had a nice little cut late, um, and Dame found him off an inbound. Um, I think he had another two point play that he that he finished off. So kind of was doing some of the dirty work, and you know again, he's going to be an obvious guy. People wonder like, well, why is that guy playing when we want to see our Andre minutes? Um, but you know, again, obviously we know kind of what Pat can do and, um, hopefully they can find minutes for both. I think the, the interesting question Justin, I wanted to ask you was, so they signed campaign, I think, and I can't remember, I think, can't remember if Camille and I talked about this the other night, but I'm not, I know Cam like shot the hell out of the ball, like to start the year. I'm not excited about campaign minutes these days, Justin. Um, and it feels like they often come, you know, they're usually like the first half of the second quarter and the first half of the fourth quarter, because that's, yeah. you know, Dame plays the first and third full quarters. Yeah. And then it starts to like tonight when Giannis was also resting to start the fourth quarter. It was basically Chris and kind of like be- mostly bench unit. And it was like, man, it's feeling a little bit rough out there. Um, and so I, I kind of, I kind of was like curious because I mean, Cam, they, they barely even got him before you know because of the opening up the roster spot yeah so most of the summer they seem content to just not have a second a backup point guard. point guard yeah so that's sort of one of the things that i've been thinking about is like if campaign you know whatever pulls a calf muscle or something for a couple weeks i mean i don't think well, anybody expect yeah he, tonight he you wondered stuff. if like oh is he going down here yeah so i'm i'm just like really curious because it seemed like they were they were going to come into camp okay with the idea of just not having basically a backup point guard and presumably saying like, okay, well, Chris and Giannis can facilitate and we'll just live with that. So I am really curious if Cam did miss time and who knows, right? Like it, with the, his legs getting taken out, he could stay in the game, but you know, oftentimes we'll see guys play through something and then miss a game or two. Um, and especially for the playoffs, I mean, are they just are they really going to play him like, 13 minutes a game in the playoffs. Like yeah. I could see him just not playing at all potentially. And I think that's where Andre also becomes interesting. Cause I mean, look, Andre's not a point guard, but can he help break a press? Is he a connector on mm-hmm. offense? Can he, you know, dribble when the team's in a pinch? Yeah, he can do that. Right. Um, so I, I, that's the other kind of piece with Andre that I find intriguing, not because he's going to be the backup point guard, but because he does have maybe a little bit of that sort of connective tissue type of, you know, basketball IQ and, and, ball handling ability um that maybe that could be you know a part of the funky lineups that we might see if if cam missed some time so um i don't know what i'm i don't know like what to, what to do with that but i, I do yeah. sort of wonder is there a scenario in the playoffs where 
campaign maybe just doesn't play at all and we just see a lot more of Andre. That was the first thing my mind wandered to when I, I can't remember who it was for Orlando that, that dove for the ball and, and got into Cam's uh, leg. But when he went down, you immediately thought, oh, man, whenever it's a loose ball and it's somebody diving on the floor and, and you take out the legs, not that it was a malicious play, but it's always, I don't know about this. And the first thing I wonder, too, is like, so I would assume Andre is the guy that takes his minutes then if, if campaign can't return or if he's going to miss a game or two on this upcoming road trip. Um, like the, you, you could say Chris or Giannis or whatever to that point of who's going to run the offense. But I think part of it, too, is you had this plan of here's how we're going to use guys and here's how we're going to stagger them. And then that all changed after, what, 15 or so games when Dame said, no, I'd, I'd rather play all of the first and third quarter. So that's kind of also exacerbated things to, to the minutes issue that, that you pointed to in, in some of those campaign minutes of, well, we got to play him here because we got to get Dame a couple of minutes of rest in these spots. Yeah. And I mean, it's been surprising to me how well, how well it seems like the offense can still function, you know, without Dame, um, and I, I give Giannis a lot of credit. There have been a lot of stretches where Giannis has just been able to, you know, carry the offense, which, <clears throat> you know, in truth, he, I think especially last year, he really wasn't able to do that. Like they really were not a good offensive team, especially when he was out there with, um, without Drew or, or Chris. Um, and again, like now I think, I think the idea, especially if you, once you get to the playoffs, you, you're going to have two of those guys on the floor at any given time. So you're going to have kind of that, that playmaking ability from two of, of the three guys, um, you know, at all times, but especially with the regular season here, I mean, you know, as much as Chris's minutes have, have ticked up, he played 29 minutes tonight. I mean, I don't think they're going to be looking to play him, you know, Much 35 more. to 37 yeah. minutes very often. Right. So he'll probably be, you know, again, closer to that 30 minute mark is what I would anticipate. But the flip side is it it has been interesting as well, though, seeing Giannis's minutes sort of steadily ticking up as the season has worn on. He played 37 minutes again tonight. Um, you know, was he, how much is that foot um, injury, this foot mid foot sprain that was referenced? Like how much is that potentially impacting him, at least on the margins a little bit, like, you know, him missing two dunks, like obviously he's, he's relying on that physicality so much that, um, you know, you take away 15%, like, yeah, that's gonna, it, it's material. Um, so we'll see. Um, you know, I, I thought, especially when he was questionable yesterday, that might, he might sit out this game and, you know, rest him up for those, those two New York games, but, um, you know, credit to him. He came out flying in transition and, um, you know, it, it hit a number of mid range jumpers tonight, which was good to see like a, a glasser an angled glasser, which I feel like we never see yeah. from him in the first, first half shot of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, hit a little short hook shot, uh, late in the fourth quarter when, you know, they were really kind of needing a basket. So, um, yeah, again, Giannis, this this kind of felt a little bit more like what we had gotten used to from Giannis over the past month or so in terms of him really being the engine of the offense. And Dame, weird, weird game from Dame in the sense that, you know, he was five out of 17, but, yeah. you know, he Started shot three high. well. Yeah, four yeah. out of eight from three, but one of nine um, in terms of inside the arc. But what, was it six free throws on two foul three-pointers in the fourth yeah. quarter, I think? Yeah. Um, and so 10 out of 10 from the line again. So again, that ability to, again, just use your savvy and craft to, to get some cheap it, ones. Like 
and to that big. point about the shots inside the arc, too, visibly frustrated about the whistle he was yeah, not black getting us, throughout the yeah. course of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And Mo Wagner blocked him at one, late in the fourth quarter at one point, and Mo was <laughs> chirping at his own bench. And it was just like, all right, I'm very much looking forward to the Bucks winning this game. Also and, stared down Giannis in the first half. <laughs> he's just, I mean, he's just an agitator. I mean, it, honestly, it's like, you know, he's, he is basically there like Bobby Portis in a weird way. He's like, Dave Kane, yeah. So that we brought that up on the radio of like, so he's basically Orlando's Bobby Portis, right? I mean, Bucks fans will like recoil in horror at that <laughs> suggestion, obviously. Um, Bobby is not a like flopper like, uh, like Mo is, but, um, but yeah, I mean, in terms, in terms of being kind of like, I believe in a little bit of that like agitator type of thing and being kind of the efficient, you know, bench guy. Um, I mean, incredible value they've gotten from him. Um, he's been really good and man, I, I mean, it's not just the bucks. Like I, I've watched enough magic games, yeah. um, that, that he does this, like he has these, you know, really efficient game, 21 points on 10 to 15 tonight. He was plus 23 in 27 minutes. So in the 20 minutes he was off, uh, they were minus 27. So, uh, Wendell Carter, 21 minutes minus 27. So basically they staggered those two exactly. And Wendell Carter, who's, um, just come back recently from injury. Uh, let's just say good things happened for the bucks when, when he was in the game, bucks got off to their fast start when he was in the game. And whenever Mo was in, it just felt like, uh, you know, whatever the, whatever the pick and roll game that Mo and, and Franz worked on growing up in Germany um, was uh, was working pretty pretty well for them uh, tonight. Well, a 6-0 homestand, and as, look, as we said, the, the overall here is there's still a lot of things to work on and improve, but, I mean, there's much worse places to be knowing we still got to keep building than half game back of the Boston Celtics for the best record in uh, the Eastern Conference and potentially all basketball as well a six and O homestand. And uh, now they head to New York for a week with uh, two games against the Knicks, one against the Nets, and then off to Cleveland for a banged up Cavaliers team. So uh, again, this upcoming road trip has a lot of winnable games and that's going to be important to just keep getting those wins as you're, you're going through this process of building that chemistry and figuring things out because that schedule does get very different or very difficult uh, a couple of months from now, what, in like mid-March, early yeah. March is, is when things really start to shift. So winning these games is certainly important in the uh, interim. Any final thoughts on this one tonight? Um, just shout out to uh, Lisa Byington and Marcus Johnson. They uh, let Tilly and me uh, come into the broadcast booth at halftime. Um, Tilly said she she would have rather uh, seen the the voices of the Bucks. Dave Kane and Justin Garcia and I said <laughs> I doubt nah. that very much. I was like I gotta talk to Justin later like the, <laughs> yeah. now we're gonna go see Lisa and, and Marcus no uh Lisa had pinged me a year ago because you know Lisa's been on the pod and yeah um and a year ago I posted a picture of Tilly and I going to a game over Christmas and she was like hey next time you know you're you're at the game let me know and you can you guys can come in the booth so um so she was uh very uh gracious in letting us uh hang out for for a minute there at halftime and Marcus came in and um, took a picture with us, and I was explaining to Tilly that you know Marcus was was Giannis when before Giannis was Giannis, and so uh, 
he said, I believe Marcus said like, I'm mini Giannis, shorter Giannis. Um, so he, he didn't deny it though. I appreciate that. Like Marcus didn't try to downplay how great he is, but, uh, but yeah, she enjoyed it. It was a trip for her. Cause of course she hears them on TV broadcasts, which I'm always watching at home and she sits and watches a fair number of those. So she was into it, had her Giannis uh, purple Jersey on and made some signs, some go buck signs before the game. She was mad though, Justin, no shot. And like, the only thing, well, no, she she's really into the game, but she desperately wants to get on the jumbotron during the games, and she's super into it. She'd made little like, you know, signs, little little signs that that said "Go Bucks," and she was like waving it at every time out, dancing, Nothing. trying to get on thing, and was just like so disappointed that I was like, how, "Why am I not on this jumbotron?" And uh, I was just like, you know, hey, I've been to like two hundred games, I've never been on the jumbotron, um, and granted, I'm also not a cute five year old kid, but. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so I told her there were like, you know, 18,000 people there. And she was like, whoa, 18,000 people. I was like, yeah, so it's hard to it's hard to get on the Jumbotron. So Bucks, uh, if anyone from the Bucks, you know, game day, game ops staff is listening, find us next time we're at they a Bucks do, game. By the way, yeah, I mean, I, I, I if if I would have known, I knew you were in town. If I knew you were at the game tonight, you, you could have been on the Jumbotron. We could have made a dream come true. But you, you got to have the BMO, the BMO card, apparently. They like be shown on the the Jumbotron. So anyway, a dream deferred. Uh, maybe next time. Next time, for sure. Well, uh, Camille and I will be back with a live show on uh, Christmas Eve, which I realize that's Sunday, and we've committed to live <laughs> shows on Sundays. But nonetheless, we'll be back with a live show on Christmas Eve. And I think Camille and I are going to do the post game. For the uh, Bucks and the Knicks on Christmas Day, um, so we'll get a lot of New York Knicks. So it's it's the Bucks <laughs> and their kryptonite of uh, but no early Mitchell games. Robinson, no Mitchell Robinson, no Mitchell so. Robinson, but still the Bucks versus early games. Name a yeah. uh, a worse duo out there. Uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there. The Bucks six and zero on the homestand, and now off to New York to uh, celebrate the holidays. I couldn't think of uh, if you can't be at home, a better place to be than in New York for Christmas time. I know the team is very thrilled to be spending a week in New York. So that's what's on the schedule for the Bucks. For Frank, I am Justin. We'll wrap things up there. And uh, Camille and I will be back here talking to you on the live show on Sunday morning.